When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. And hello again, everybody. We welcome you to this week's edition of the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. It's all brought to you by our friends at Lumos Networks. Your network, your way. It is TCU week. It is true blue. 60,000 strong, expected to be at Mountaineer Field. It is a sellout, and it is a big one for West Virginia, looking to go to 8-1 and one on the year. But the TCU Horn Frogs stand in the way. And while it has, all told, by the standards of the Horn Frog faithful been a down year. Do not ever sleep on a Gary Patterson coach team. And we're happy to be joined right now on this week's edition of the Mountaineer Insider by John Denton, longtime member of the Horn Frogs broadcast team. And and John, uh, I guess we'll, we'll you know just get a fifty thousand foot view look here from from you because uh, this is a TCU team, John, that was uh, supposed to be right there in the mix with West Virginia and even Oklahoma at the outset of the year, but as we know all too well, a season ebbs and flows, and this this darn game of attrition can certainly be just that. And I suppose that's been the case for TCU this year to some degree. Well, it really has been. You know, I mean, it was a year that started out great, and everybody knew around this program that September was going to be the month that was going to tell you a lot about this TCU team from a win-loss standpoint and also from a from a health standpoint and 
things are rocking along pretty good until about the third quarter of the Ohio State game when the Frogs actually had a lead. But then the game kind of fell apart in a five-minute period there, and Ohio State took advantage of some uh, frog miscues and ended up beating TCU 40-28. to And then the next week the Frogs had to go on the road at Texas. Came out flat. I think they were a little hungover from uh, the disappointment of of having a lead against Ohio State and then losing it, and the offense just went dead. And uh, at that point, the um, the injuries started to stack up. The next week against Iowa State, Frogs were able to eke out a win, but they lost four starters, two on each side of the ball. And really, it's just it's just piled up every week. Seems like the Frogs have lost two or three key components to the lineup. And uh, I'm I'm gonna tell you, I'm tired of it because every week now I'm having to redo. My game charts, I mean, normally you replace one or two guys here and there, but the last three weeks have been complete overhauls from the standpoint of the two deep for TCU, and I've got to run to practice here in a little bit just to go check some boxes and see who actually is uh, among the walking wounded who may be able to go this week against West Virginia. You know, obviously losing a quarterback hurts. We know that all too well. Going back to last year, does West Virginia. And, of course, the outfield stuff with Turpin, uh, that that is a distraction that's, that's hard to overcome. But who else have you lost, John, that uh, maybe isn't grabbing all of the headlines uh, for, for fans of the Big 12 Conference and that maybe follow the team from, from a distance? What have been, I guess, the, the, the biggest hits that you've taken that haven't made the largest headlines? Well, I think as a group, and I mean, there's too many to name because we've we've played so many in the offensive line, but going into this game against West Virginia, the Frogs have only had two guys on the offensive line that were starters at the beginning of the year start every game, and that's the right tackle, Lucas Niang, and that's the center, Kelton Hollins. The rest of the crew has been whoever could go, frankly, and they've, they've brought over a defensive lineman, Casey McDermott Vie, to fill in at guard. Uh, it's it's been a patchwork uh, situation on the offensive line. Of course, uh, Sean Robinson, the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, finally just could not go any longer. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, really damaged uh, his left shoulder. It's his non-throwing shoulder, but he's had surgery to repair that. He's out for the year, so he's been replaced by Mike Collins. And uh, then Darius Anderson, the running back, he has really, uh, since the Ohio State game, been dinged up a little bit. He's not been 100%, although he's played, but he's not the same running back that he was last year when, when he ripped through the, uh, the Big 12 uh, on his way to a great year. And then you mentioned uh, the, the uh, Kevon Boykin, or, sorry, the Kevante Turpin situation, which was just, you know, really a shot in the gut. Nobody saw that coming, and um, it, uh, it was something that, uh, you know, couldn't be avoided, and uh, he's no longer there. And you know, the thing that hurts there from a football standpoint is that's your most explosive playmaker. I mean, that's a guy that could score any time he got the ball. He uh, had had a great game against Oklahoma uh, the week before he got suspended. Uh, kept the Frogs single-handedly in that game in the first quarter with a 41-yard touchdown catch and then a 99-yard kickoff return. He was just explosive. And the Frogs have tried to replace that by committee uh, they've done a pretty good job with that from the standpoint of uh, wide receivers with Jalen Austin and Ty Barber and, and Jalen Rager, but uh, they haven't been able to replace it in the return game, both kickoff returns and punt returns, and that's that's hurt the offense from a field position standpoint, and that's something this offense has really needed. Uh, and it, it's really 
it's made it tough on this offense. It just hasn't really been able to get any rhythm, any momentum, and even uh, this late in the season now, going against West Virginia this weekend, really doesn't have an identity coming into this game. Yeah, I was going to say, what is the identity, uh, or at least uh, uh, what's the intention, John, uh, the the TCU do you think is going to come in here and try to to put forth offensively? Well, there are a lot of weapons, and you know, obviously, Mike Collins uh, is a transfer from Penn. He's getting his first shot as a starting quarterback at the Division One A level, and he's very capable. But uh, he's he's not. Uh, Sean Robinson, uh, from the standpoint of being a dual threat, he runs pretty well. But, you know, Sonny Cumbie in this Frog offense, they want to spread you out, and they want to they want to take these wide receivers and overload your defense with speed and, and spread the field. And uh, the weapons are there. The problem is the offensive line is not given any quarterback, regardless of who it is, time to really execute, get through progressions, and find the open guys. And then, you know, if that if that happens – then, uh, you know, they spread the field out. Then the passing game is supposed to set up the run game. And, again, it just hasn't happened a whole lot um, this year. Probably the best offensive game the Frogs had from a running standpoint was against Ohio State. And then with the injuries and just the lack of execution since then, uh, it's just the numbers have continued to drop, and it's been a real struggle for this team to put 20 or 28 points on the board. We've got John Denton with us. Well, I guess the, the, the good news here, if you're looking at it from a glass-half-full perspective, uh, John, it's the fact that the, the defense is, for the most part, held up, at least from the results category. You mentioned the offensive points per game. Well, defensively, you're still holding opponents under 25, and five times this year you've had an opportunity to hold them to 17 or less. So uh, it, it, I would imagine, just like a, a Gary Patterson-led team, uh, you would expect them, from the West Virginia perspective, to come in and, and really be just a, a big defensively that still is the case isn't it well it is and uh, you know it's been amazing uh, the the injuries have also hit the the defensive side of the football and the frogs have really taken some shots uh, from a standpoint especially in the secondary where this week tcu will roll out its seventh free safety of the year that's how crazy it's been gary patterson told me yesterday he said i've never seen anything like this and you know the secondary TCU plays at four-two-five. The secondary is a, a very critical part of that because five, you've got five guys with a lot of speed and some decent size that can play the pass and the run. And uh, the Frogs have, have missed several uh, players uh, along along the way. Uh, Ennis Gaines, who's a weak safety, one of the best defenders in the in the Big Twelve, went out three weeks ago against Oklahoma. Nico Small, who's the free safety. Um, very well could have contended for an all-conference spot this year. He's been out for six games. Uh, we may see him uh, against West Virginia, but I doubt it. And then uh, of late, the biggest hit is middle linebacker Ty Summers, who uh, has torn up an ankle, and he did not play last week against Kansas State, and he's a game-time decision there. But um, what's amazing is even with all these injuries, Gary Patterson has been able to kind of string together a lineup uh, week in, week out, that's been effective and it's been good on third down. They've been getting good pressure uh, on the passer. Uh, the two guys that have been really good on the defensive line who have not been injured uh, this year so far, keep your fingers crossed if you're a TCU fan, is the defensive end Ben Banigou, who was the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Then on the other side, L.J. Collier, who's a big defensive end, who uh, is a great bull-rushing defensive end, number 91. You'll see both of them. Uh, against West Virginia, 
they really bring the pressure and and uh, and and can get to the passer. They could be a problem for Will Greer if they're able to get loose and and uh, run some stunts and do some of the things that they do up front. John, uh, and let me ask you a little bit more about the defensive line and uh, how Gary Patterson, typically who's been an even front type of coach throughout the course of his career, he has adapted a little bit and, and morphed into some odd front. How much of that do you anticipate TCU employing here against West Virginia this week? Uh, and how has he taken to the, the odd front? And I know it's at times by necessity, but... Uh, has it yielded the results that perhaps Gary did not initially suspect? You know, I think part of it's been out of necessity uh, just because of the injury situation. And part of it is, you know, the one thing about Gary Patterson is he's not afraid to try new things. And over the last couple of years, you've seen more and more teams against TCU go to three down linemen and, and they drop eight and, and, and play zone and try to, you know, chop the field up into small squares that can be defended and, and Gary Patterson has uh, grown to like that look. And with some of the players that he's had uh, and also with uh, what he's had healthy, he's been able to employ that um, with uh, with a good bit of uh, success. But, you know, you're still going to see him if, if, if they roll out in a three-down lineman uh, set against West Virginia and all of a sudden the running backs start going crazy, then uh, you're, you're probably going to see – that uh, fourth lineman back in the game because the one thing Gary Patterson will not stand for and will not stomach is a team that lines up and just runs it down your throat. And I think uh, that's one of the things he's really concerned about this week with Kennedy McCoy and Martel Padaway that, um, you know, with the offensive line that that, uh, West Virginia has, you know, how many chances can you take with a three-down lineman situation without bringing a linebacker or a safety or somebody to fill that other gap? Well, John, uh, we, we look forward to uh, a, a always tough game against TCU uh, coming up here Saturday at noon Eastern. Uh, one final thing here before we let you go. How, how is Gary holding up? I, I know that uh, he's obviously accustomed to uh, greater success. So this year has got to have, have been an outlier in so many different respects, especially from the injuries. So how's the old ball coach hanging uh, in there? And I would imagine uh, you know he, he's, he, he, he ain't ever going to quit. He's, he's still going to grind at it more so, if ever, here during these kind of years? Well, you know, he's he's a resilient guy, and I think, uh, you know, this team, uh, year in, year out, they they pretty much, you know, mirror his personality, but this has been a test for uh, Gary Patterson, no doubt. I don't think he ever imagined he'd be looking at the uh, second weekend in, in November as a, you know, at a four and five clip, and it's been, uh, it's been a year of bad fortune or misfortune for this team from from an injury standpoint i think you know the september schedule really took a lot out of the team that they couldn't recover from either psychologically or physically and uh you know the turpin situation that took a big weapon off the field for tcu and all along all while that's taken place last month he lost his mom and uh that that was uh she had been fighting cancer for a long long time and and uh you know still hard to let them go even though you you know it's a situation like that it it has been a rough two and a half months on gary patterson but i was in his office yesterday he was smiling he's upbeat he was getting ready to go to practice and that's what i think he loves he's as you said he's a ball coach and he loves to go game plan get ready for an opponent and uh, coach the kids up and he'll be there on saturday and and uh he'll be coaching them up hard just as if they were you know, nine and zero. Oh. They he'll uh, he'll be there, and and I think that's what 
has made him good over the years. He's never let one game or one year get him down. He's always looking ahead, and uh, I know he's looking forward to to getting to uh, to Morgantown this this week and matching wits with Dana Holgerson. He thinks the world of Dana Holgerson. He thinks he's a great coach, and he loves uh, playing chess with Dana on Saturday afternoon from 54 yards away. And I'm looking for a great effort out of the Frogs. It's just a matter of how long they can hold up. No, no doubt, uh, always some classics with West Virginia and TCU. That's John Denton, part of the TCU broadcast team. Hey, folks, we'll turn our attention to basketball and the West Virginia opponent on Friday evening, Buffalo coming to town, and our Mountaineer Sports Network correspondent Rob Joyce catches up with Josh Wetzel, the play-by-play man of the Bulls. So do stay with us. We'll have more coming up in a moment here on the Mountaineer Insider following a word from Lumos Networks. Lumos Networks is proud to support the West Virginia Mountaineers. And we're proud to be investing in the future of Mountaineer Nation. Our new dense fiber network provides the solutions, speed, diversity, scalability, and reliability West Virginia, the Mid-Atlantic, and Southeast have been asking and waiting for. All across our footprint, Lumos Networks is providing customers with local attention and the fastest, most reliable fiber network in the region. Call one 800 320-6144 or visit lumosnetworks.com to learn more. Lumos Networks, your network, your way. So Josh, last year, we'll start there, Bulls make the NCAA tournament a third time in four years. Stomp on Arizona, really, in the first round as a 12 seed. What has that win done for the profile of the program? Well, I think it's obviously elevated it a lot. You know, the first time the Bulls made the NCAA tournament, they actually played West Virginia as a as a 12 seed against a five a few years ago in a game in which uh, a lot of people were kind of picking Buffalo as a, a trendy pick that year and West Virginia obviously came out on top but last year was the first time that the Bulls had ever won a tournament game and they did it very convincingly and I think it uh, it certainly did elevate the profile of the the program especially considering coming into this year so many of the guys are back from last year's team which won 27 games. Right, and four of those scores did the heavy lifting last year. Three of them are back. Wes Clark, the lone one who has departed. But C.J. Massenburg, Nick Perkins, Jeremy Harris, they're now all seniors. Does that group have a chance to go down as one of the special senior classes in program history? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty easy to say that this year the expectation level is higher for Buffalo than it's ever been. Uh, losing Wes Clark is no small thing, though. He was a, a really, really good player who had originally gone to the high major level at Missouri as a top 50 or top 100 recruit out of high school. So uh, I think there will be some bumps in the road, so to speak, as they get used to playing without Wes from time to time. But C.J. Massenburg and Nick Perkins have been there the whole time coming in as a as freshmen together, and they've certainly put a big, big imprint on the program. C.J. Massenburg, should he have a really spectacular season year, could go down as the uh, all-time leading scorer in program history. Uh, so, yeah, these guys have, have certainly won a lot of games and have a chance to have a pretty special season. And that started again on Tuesday, a 15-point win over St. Francis of PA. Did everything go fairly as expected in Game 1? Uh, I think, uh, for the most part, from the Buffalo perspective, it did. St. Francis actually didn't have two or three of their better players in that game uh, due to injuries. So I think that caught the, the Buffalo coaching staff a little bit by surprise because they had no idea that those guys weren't going to be playing. But Buffalo did not shoot the ball very well from three-point range. Otherwise, I think they played very well, especially on the defensive end. St. Francis has been a, a really high-scoring team in the past, and Buffalo held them in check really, really well. So I think overall they did a, 
did have a really good job. And I think just because it was the first game of the season for the Bulls, the biggest thing they were happy about is just coming out of there with a win and, and getting the first game jitters kind of out of the way. Speaking with the play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bulls, Josh Wetzel, prior to tonight's matchup between West Virginia and Buffalo. And Josh, right, wrong, and different. The game most people probably recognize Buffalo for is that Arizona game. They hit 15 threes. They were top 20 last year nationally in three-point attempts. They tried 34 on Tuesdays at the MO with this team. A lot of shots from beyond the arc. Yeah, I, I think they probably took a few more on Tuesday night than they than they would have wanted, especially because I think they had a little bit of a size advantage in that game against St. Francis. Now, that's not going to be the case against West Virginia. So I think uh, there's a, probably a good chance the percentage of threes is up there again against the Mountaineers. And I think maybe the way the Bulls played against Arizona last year could be a little bit of a preview of the kind of game plan they try to use against the Mountaineers on Friday. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I think they certainly have some guys that are capable of shooting very, very well from three point range. They have not done it uh, either Tuesday or in the exhibition game uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I don't think that's something the coaches are necessarily worried about right now. And the head coach, Nate Oates, he comes in under Bobby Hurley as an assistant back in 2013, takes over the head coach role when Hurley departs for Arizona State. What about Oates' style works and that he, what he helped Hurley build, that's only grown in the last couple of seasons? Yeah, he's a pretty interesting story because he came to Buffalo as a former high school coach, and, and Bobby Hurley brought him on board as an assistant because he had recruited some of uh, Oates' high school players in the past, liked the way his program was run, and not insignificantly, he had some pretty good players that Hurley thought correctly might come to Buffalo if he brought Oates on as an assistant coach. Two years later, Hurley leaves, and Oates has done an even better job than Hurley did as the head coach when just two years prior to being uh, the head coach at Buffalo, he was coaching in high school. So it's pretty remarkable the kind of success he has had to this point. He really likes to play up-tempo. I think he would love it if the Bulls' tempo numbers were the best in America. So he likes to get up and down the floor big time. Uh, he, he's very into playing, super aggressive, very intense. And uh, and he's obviously done a, a terrific job. I know there were some overtures from other programs after the Bulls had success last year, but he stuck around. He likes Buffalo, and, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But uh, I think this could be a, a big, big year, obviously, for Coach Oates. So Coach Oates likes to push the pace. So what are his thoughts going in tonight facing West Virginia, obviously known for that 40-minute press? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but anecdotally it just seems like early in the season a lot of times teams are more prone to turning the ball over. So I think it will be interesting to see how the Bulls do against the, the press from West Virginia. And also, you know, the Bulls, and it was a long time ago, and none of these guys were on the team then, but they did play West Virginia as I mentioned, in the NCAA tournament, the first time the Bulls made it. So maybe just the fact that Oates was on the sideline in that game will, will perhaps help when they put together the game plan of trying to attack the press uh, tonight. I, I don't know what will happen, but it, it will be really, really interesting, I think, to see how the Bulls deal with that pressure. Because, again, a lot of times early in the season, teams kind of turn it over a lot. And occasionally the Bulls, because they do play at such a, a high rate of speed, will turn it over a little bit just by virtue of, of that big tempo. And lastly, Josh, I mean, tonight kind of starts a, a gauntlet of sorts for your non-conference. You head to Morgantown, you head to the Carrier Dome, you head to Marquette, uh, St. Bonaventure, historically a good mid-major. Last year, you played at Syracuse, Texas A&M, you face Cincinnati, Rhode Island. The year before that, Xavier Pitt, Creighton, you get the point. 
You're not afraid to go out and, and challenge these power programs. No, and, and Monday they're at Southern Illinois, and a lot of people think Southern Illinois might win the Missouri Valley, and the Valley has Loyola in it, a team that went to the Final Four last year. So they actually have a home-and-home home with Southern Illinois, which is very unusual, uh, but it's tough to get games if you're Buffalo right now because the team has done so well. The What, what they're doing with their schedule is they're trying to put together the kind of challenging schedule that if they do stub their toe in the MAC tournament, they perhaps would have a chance to get an at-large. Now, to be in that position to maybe an at-large, they will have to win some of these games like West Virginia or Syracuse, Marquette. So that obviously remains to be seen. The MAC has not had an at-large team in the NCAA tournament since Wally Zerbiak was a senior at Miami in 1999. So no at-large has come from the MAC in a long, long time. Buffalo's hoping it doesn't come down to that this season, but they're hoping to schedule in a way that if it comes down to it, maybe they could get one of those at-large. And that'll do it for us on this week's edition of the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. Special thanks to our guest, John Denton, and you just heard Rob Joyce with Buffalo play-by-play man Josh Wetzel. Hope you could join us on the air 8 o'clock on Friday evening for airtime as West Virginia opens up their 2018-19 regular season in basketball at the WVU Coliseum. We'll be on the air 8.30 in the morning for the Gomart Mountaineer Tailgate Show for True Blue Saturday, West Virginia, and TCU. A little bit later on in the weekend, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, West Virginia women's basketball. They'll be back in action. New Jersey Institute of Technology, airtime 145. A congratulations goes out to Naomi Davenport for her triple-double against Coppin State earlier in the week. She becomes the first Mountaineer women's basketball player since Dion Morris in 1987 to record a triple-double nearly 31 years ago. We'll talk to you next week on this week's edition of the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. Dan's angrily for our friends at Lumos Networks. Hail West Virginia. Let's go Mountaineers. And as always, this is the Mountaineer Sports Network from IMG. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.